to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. And then if you haven't figured it out yet, this morning is a special family service and um, there's not going to be kids church because this is going to be kids church. (laughs) Matthew 19 verse 14, Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, it says you must become like a little child. So uh, all of us must retain a, a childlikeness in the Lord if we want to be part of the kingdom. And it doesn't matter how mature we become, we must always be childlike. And I think Trevor and Sharon are the epitome of that. <laughs> Trevor's like a, a five-year-old caught in, a, in an older man's body. <laughs> <laughs> Perpetual five-year-old. Our condolences, Sharon. <laughs> we don't know how you keep up. But um, we all need to be like little children, no matter how mature we become. In fact, to me, one of the clearest signs of maturity um, is childlikeness. Uh, we... we, we People who are really mature retain a childlikeness in the Lord. And, and uh, let's celebrate. Let's all celebrate that this morning. Okay, is everybody here still? Hi there. <laughs> cool. I'd like to find out who brought their Bible with them today. You know, it's very, very important. We go to college, we go to school, we go to school. And they say, when you go to school, you must bring the book with you that you normally... If it's on your phone, then what you need to do is you need to take out your phone and put it on the app. Because everybody that brought their Bibles with today is going to get a toffee. So you better do that. Because you know what it says? It says that if you bring your Bible with and you have, the Holy Spirit will come alive and things will come alive. Because you know what happened to the, in the Old Testament? In the New Testament, in the upper room, when the Holy Spirit came upon them after Jesus ascended, it came down like fire. So you want to see your Bible come alive to you. You need to read it every single day. And that's what happens when you read your Bible, boys and girls. Hey, what happened? Let me tell you something else. I brought my other Bible with me as well. And, and you know what happens if you read your Bible only once a week or maybe every now and then? Do you know what happens? Your Bible is blank. Can I show you what I mean? Your Bible becomes blank to you. It's just a bunch of blank pages. You keep on saying to yourself, no, man, there's too many pages. There's too many little words. There's over 4,000 words on a page. It's too much. I can't read it. This is too much for me. But you know what? If you take the time, just to read it once a week. Maybe at children's church, maybe in church when they take out and they say, let's read from the Bible. And when you do that, your Bible comes alive. Did you see that? Your Bible starts coming alive. And it starts becoming something to you. But not much. It's just, it's just there. You, know? it's, you can see, start making sense of some of the word. It starts being evident in your life. But you know what? If you read your Bible, pray every day, guess what? You will grow in spirit and your Bible will come alive. It will become alive and it will actually be that you can actually start understanding these lessons that you read. You know, like the story when Jesus was born. You know, before, you know, Jesus was born, your little manger, and the word comes alive and it becomes relevant in your life. So boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, I say, you need to bring your Bible to church. And sometimes it's not good just to bring a phone with the Bible app on your phone because you never open the app. 
Because you're too busy with life. Facebook and poking and doing everything. You guys need to have a Bible physically, I know. Henny carries one in his pocket. And it's so worn, I actually get embarrassed when he takes it out. I go, my Bible doesn't look like that one. It's not worn enough. You need to open it some more. But your Bible comes alive. So everybody that's got their Bible with him, I would like, I would like my young lady to do, take a sweet for yourself and run around and give everybody that's holding their Bible up a sweetie. And please, I don't want to see, I don't want to see papers, papers on the floor. Otherwise, then the pastor will stop us from handing out sweets at church. Did everybody get a, did everybody get a toffee? I don't want to miss you out. I don't want you to miss out on a toffee. Because I want to actually tell you something as well. You know, the Bible's been around. Who can tell me how many years or how long do you think the Bible's been around for? The Bible, many years. It's been around for a long time. Thousands of years. And you know what? There's always been someone that's trying to destroy the Bible. You know, there's always someone that actually thinks that the Bible is worthless. It's not a good anymore. Do you know that person was also Hitler? He thought, well, if he took all the Bibles away from the Jews, that means they've got no belief system and they won't do anything. But then they found out that they didn't need their Bibles. They were still praying and they were still worshipping. And then guess what happened? He started breaking and burning down the presses. And he took the Bible away from them and he said, this is it. When the presses are gone, you're going to have nothing, nothing more to ever have and to be taught with. And do you know what? God's word remains. It's still the bestseller. It still remains forever and ever and ever. Because it doesn't matter who tries to destroy the Bible. The Bible still remains and will still be around. Okay. So you must remember that the Bible is a bestseller from now and then. Okay. And you must never forget that. Okay. Now that we have your attention, please, I brought the lady okay. with me today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Do you know what, Uncle Trevor? I've got an experiment for these these lovely people. I would like you all to take your two fingers like this and put it over here on this vein, okay? And I want to see if you can hear a pulse, if you can feel a pulse. Who can feel a pulse? Okay, that's... Who can't? I hope there's no bucket around because somebody's going to be kicking something. Okay. So who can't feel a pulse? Okay. Can you all feel a pulse? Where's your finger? How can you say yes if your finger's not there? Okay. So, can everybody do this? Come on. Let's see. Aha. Can everybody wiggle their, their bum in their seat? Okay. Uncle Trevor, I think we can come to this conclusion. Yes, Auntie Sharon. They are alive. Wow. They're alive. Well done. Pat yourself on the back and say, I'm here. But, but, you've got to ask yourself, are you living for yourself? Are you living for others? Or are you living for God? We're going to show you something. Okay. Okay. I'm rattling. I helped deliver this little, this little munchkins this, this week. They're very quiet behind a pulpit. <laughs> Parents, you need to invest in a pulpit. Okay. Do you know what? When I was helping this little one this week, do you like my baby, Justy? Isn't it beautiful? It's a little girl. Look, it's a little girl. Do you want to kiss him? Her. 
There we go. Okay, thank you, Justy. I think he needs another reward, don't you? Where's his packet? Where? I say. Okay. So I started pondering about this little one, and I started thinking, gee whiskers, when this little one is so young, it's got its parents to make its decisions for it. You know, when I was this age, I don't remember making a decision which hospital I wanted to be born in. I can't remember making the decision which school I wanted to go to. I didn't, I didn't even make the decision whether I wanted my parents to be my parents. But, and also the community that I wanted to be born into. But, you know what? I started pondering about this and thinking, do you know what? It's the same back with Adam and Eve. They were the first mothers and fathers of this world. But because of their decision, they made a decision that has, has affected each and every one of us, each and, well, for, for, for the, for, until the day we die. But you know what? The thing that I realized is that if we don't make a decision to serve God, the decision is already made for us. This little one is born into sin. It is already born into sin. And that was because of Adam and Eve's decision. But we have to make a decision to serve God today. Amen. Or else that decision is already made for us. It's a frightening thought. But can I tell you something? Father God has put inside of us a desire to worship him and worship him only. But the thing is, sometimes very, very often in life, We might be Christians, we might have made a decision to serve him, but life happens, things happen, disappointments come. But you know what? And very often we we look to outer things to replace this void in our heart. We've got this pain in our heart, we've got this void in our heart. Okay? Can you sit down? We've got this, this hole in our heart And we don't know quite how to deal with it. And so we look to the world. We look to things of the world to fill it. Sometimes we look to our friends. We don't want to be alone and spend time with God because God's going to tell us what we need to do. God might even tell us to separate ourselves from friends that we might have been friends with for a long time, but they're not good for us. And so a lot of us try and fill our life with friends. We don't want to be alone. We don't want to have to deal with our issues. But you know what? Not even those friends fill the hole in our heart. And then a lot of us put those earphones into our ears the minute we wake up in the morning. And it's not, and it's not necessarily Christian music. But you know what? We don't want to spend time with God. We just want to fill our lives just to try and deaden the pain. And some of us think that, you know what, if only, do you want to put it through, okay, just wait. If only I can get that Maserati, then I will be happy. Do do you say yes? 
Oh, okay. Okay. All right. That's cool. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with a Maserati. But the problem is, it doesn't make us happy for very long. Today it's a new car, and tomorrow it's old. Okay? And you girls, if only I could have those Jimmy Choo shoes. Hmm? Do you know what? If I could just have those Jimmy Choo's, then I'd be happy. And then my friends would love me. Is that right? But you know what? Sadly, sadly, it doesn't fill the void in our heart. But then you say, ha, oh, what happens if I win the lotto? Ah, uh, then all my problems will be solved. I will have the Jimmy Tube. I will have the Maserati. I will have all the friends in the world. People will like me now. They'll want to be my friends. But you know, as quick as money comes, is as quick as money goes. And nothing fills that hole. And sadly enough, sadly enough, some of us even turn to alcohol to deaden that pain. Some of us, I've never seen a family come right out of alcohol. It causes so much pain and it causes breakages of marriages. And some people don't recover from it. But it doesn't fill the hole in our heart. And sadly enough, people even go to drugs. But this destroys. Very few people come out of this, even alive. So, today, I want to declare to you that there's only one answer to this hole in our hearts, and that is Jesus. He died to give us a future and a hope. He's the only one that come and heal our broken hearts. Amen. 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 Cool. So the reason, sorry, I went a little bit fast over here. I just wanted to see if I can do that. Jesus had to die is the lessons heading. And our first topic that we spoke on is he gave us a hope and a future. Our second topic is he gave us access to God. How did he give us access to God? Let me explain it to you. I want my two young friends over here to come and help me. Will you come and help me, please, Faith? Okay, you can stand in front. And I'd like uh, Uncle George there to come and help us as well. Justin, sit down. I'll show you what you can do. You can do something with me. Now, now. Now, now. Not now. Okay. I want to just tell you, back in the beginning in the Garden of Eden, uh, there were two people. Uh, what are those people's names again? Uh, Adam and Eve. Now, Adam and Eve had it all. They had it all. They had everything they wanted. They had every desire they needed. They had God right there with them. But, if you can hold that for me, please. Don't pull it. Just stand nicely over there. But because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden, we're all suffering today. Because they had fellowship with God. God used to come down in the afternoons, in the cool of the day, and used to go, Adam, Eve... And they used to come running and say, yes, God, Wee! I'm so excited to be with you. I tell you, Lord, we went and saw this and we changed that animal's name to this. And you know, we had so much fun. And God enjoyed that. 
He enjoyed that fellowship. Until one day Eve was walking in the garden and there were rules. And believe you me, Adam and Eve knew the rule. The rule was you're not allowed to eat the fruit of that tree in the middle. You will surely die. Now Satan cottoned onto this and he said, oh, <laughs> Let me catch Eve. She's vulnerable today. She's feeling a little bit down. Let me get hold of her. And he went to Eve and he went, Eve, come here, Eve. Come and have a look. See, Eve, i got something for you, Eve. Come on, doll. And Eve came prancing along and said, yes, 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 what is it? He says, you know what? God's a liar. And she went, what do you mean? God's not a liar. I talk to him every day. He says, no, you know what? What is wrong with this tree? Why don't you both? And she says, no, you're not allowed. He actually got her to tell him the rule. He said, you're not allowed to eat of this tree because I will die. And he goes, ha, 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 you won't die. Come on, this is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You will have the same knowledge as God. She goes, wow, really? Oh, I'm to die for. Let's do this. Let's have it. And he said to her, all you have to do is eat the fruit. And so she took a bite of the fruit. Enjoyed it. Adam, come through here. And he asked Adam to come along and Adam had a taste. And he also said, mm, this stuff is good. But they both knew they did something wrong because all of a sudden they looked like, <laughs> I'm naked. And they had to go and sew fig leaves together and they hid in the garden. That was the first sin. And by the way, who knows what the color of sin is? For a sweetie, put up your hand. Who can tell me what the color of sin is? Yes, black. Okay, who agrees with her? Can anybody else tell me what's the color of sin? Yes. Is it red? Okay. Who agrees with faith saying it's red? Put up your hands, everybody, if you agree it's red. And if you agree it is black, please put up your hands. Don't be shy. Put up your hands if you think it's black. Okay. But by the way, in the Bible, it says your sin is like scarlet. So sin is red. So what happened is because of that first sin, God and man. Oh, yeah, by the way, I made man black because he's living in sin in a dark place. In darkness of the world. So let's quickly put man on this side by Gabriel and slide him on. There we go. And we put God on this side. And because of that first sin, guess what happened? Man and God could not have fellowship. Huh? But God had a plan. Satan thought he had won. He says, There's it. I've got it covered. They're not going to have a fellowship with God. But God had a plan brought his son along. His son died on the cross for us so that we could have fellowship with God again. He wants to talk to us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants us to have access to him and we can have access. So I wanted to show you that when Jesus died, what actually happened, I want you to hold it nice and tight, Faith, and you, and I want Gabriel to give it a tug. Quickly, one, two, three. Oopsie, you let that one go, Faith. Hold on to that. Now when Jesus died, guess what happened? Sin fell away because he died and washed our sins away. And man and God can have fellowship together. Isn't that awesome, man? We have a sour worm. Full bananas. Thank you. And for picking that up for me, dear, you can have a sour worm as well. <laughs> cool. Okay. But Uncle Trevor, there was something else that Jesus died for. Do you know what it was? Uncle Trevor? Ah, he's cheating. He's cheating. Jesus died to leave an inheritance for us. Who knows what an inheritance is? Do you know, Caitlin? You don't? Okay, good for you. Good for you for saying that. Who knows what an inheritance is? Come on, Faith. Um, it's something that um, God left you or your parents. 
that God left you or your parents. Okay, so you know what? When somebody dies, it's a very tragic time of our lives. We have to say somebody, uh, goodbye to somebody that we really, really love. And you know what? Usually after the funeral, that's where things start to calm down. But there's one more process. There's one more step that you have to do after that person has passed on. And that is to read their will, their last will and testament. Okay, so granny died, grandma died, okay, and this is what she left. She says to my son Jacob and his wife Linda, I leave my antique coffee table. To my daughter Nancy, I leave all precious jewels. To all my grandchildren, I leave a thousand bucks. Who would like a thousand bucks? Huh? Would you all like a thousand bucks? What would you spend it on, Cobbler? Where's my where's my my mic? Where's my mic? Come. They want to know what you're going to spend a thousand bucks on. (laughs) Is it working? On a pool table. Okay. What would you like to spend your thousand bucks on? Um, I'll spend my thousand bucks on a house. On a car. On a? House or a car. A house or a car. A thousand bucks. Cool. And you? A horse and a Bible. A horse and a Bible. Well done. Wow. What would you like to spend your money on? To buy a house, okay. Is, this isn't working, is That's it? It's not working. Okay. All right, well done. I think, I think me and A deserves. Yeah, well done. Okay. And she says, you know, in her will, she says, I know that you will miss me, but I am in a much better place with Jesus. I love you all very much. Love, Grandma. How many of you would like to see what Jesus left us? Who would like to see his inheritance? Okay, let's see what Jesus left us. Okay. Huh. Okay, this is Jesus' inheritance for us. Wow. To everyone who has asked me to come and live in their heart and is living for me, I give you my love. I give you my peace to rule your hearts. I give you forgiveness for your sins. You never need to be ashamed again. I give you power to withstand the enemy. I give you the Holy Spirit to be your constant friend. And most importantly, I give you access to heaven where you will spend eternity with me. Who likes that inheritance? Amen. 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 When we have an inheritance like that, it's awesome. Auntie Sharon, I think we're going too fast here. I think we've got to go slow. Everyone is still awake. I thought they'd all be fast asleep at this stage of the game. Are you still with me? <laughs> sure, I don't have enough sour worms. I'll have to give you some later. <laughs> okay, I want to tell you a story quickly, and I want you guys to just go back in time with me. What is our time? How far are we? I normally have a clock in the back. 10 to 11. We've still got four hours. They said we got until 6 o'clock because service only starts at 6. Yes, please, let's do this. I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a good friend of mine or a good person that I like in the Bible. His name was Joseph. 
Now, Joseph with his Technicolor dream coat. And you know why Joseph got that Technicolor dream coat? Can you answer that question? Tell me, why did Joseph get a, a special coat? Yes. Because Jacob, his father, loved him with all his heart. But how many brothers did Joseph have? Ooh, how many? Twelve brothers. I think there were twelve brothers in all. There's eleven brothers, but you're close enough. I'll give her a sweet. Hey? Seven. Nearly. Close. Give her a sweetie. She said, in all there's twelve brothers. Who's got twelve brothers in the house? Who's got that many? Shoo. There we go. Kuna's got twelve brothers. <laughs> you as well, me. It's difficult living with 12 brothers. There's conflicts and there's all sorts of things. I mean, I only had a brother and a sister. There were three of us. And there was war continuously in the house. But guess what happened? Joseph was favored by his father. Because all the kids, I mean, had to go out. And this was when they were men. They had to go out and tend the sheep and go and cut the hay and go and do all that. But Joseph's father, Jacob, really, really loved him. Saw potential in him. Taught him things. Showed him things. Taught him the word of God. Because he really did love the word of God. And because of this favoritism and because he got this wonderful dream and this coat of technicolored coat, they got even more jealous. <sighs> so they got a little bit grumpy. When they saw Joseph, they thought, well, let me just give him a bunch of fives. And they never could speak nicely to him. But Joseph never thought anything of it. He was happy. He was good. He was in a happy place. Daddy loved me. I'm cool. I got a new jacket. Woo! I'm on heaven. I'm having so much fun. And anyway, these guys used to go out and work. And Joseph stayed inside. And that made the guys even grumpier. And guess what? One day early in the morning, Joseph got up and he said, Hey, bro, brothers, come closer. I want to tell you a story. I had a dream last night. And they all sat there and they looked at his dream and they went, oh, oh, while they're having breakfast. And he said, I dreamt that we were out cutting the hay and my sheath stood up tall in the middle. And all the 11 other sheaths came forth and bowed down to the me, to me who was in the middle, who was the center. And they went, mm. and because of this dream, they got even more grumpier. They got even more jealous and they turned around and they went, mm, we've got to do this guy. Just bring him here and I'll just give him a bunch of fives. Come on, just, you know how it is with your brother? You know, it's just one of those things. Your brother, it's exactly with you. I know you've only got one brother. I know that. I know how you feel, Kirsten. And you, with, you just want to take them, especially when they do things that actually makes you feel little. So anyway, that day the guys went out and I tell you, Joseph stayed behind and he was quite happy. His father showed him more word and taught him more things at home. The guys came back and they were tired. They had been tending the sheep and cutting the, the wheat and the hay. And they had a good night's sleep. And Joseph dreamt another dream. And this dream, he told in the morning. He says, hey brothers, come on, dad, mom, you as well. Come on, come on, listen to this one. I dreamt that there was the moon, the sun, and stars. And there was me as a big star in the middle. And everybody bowed down to me. Now his brothers were the I must not quiet. They turned around and they thought, yeah, this nodi ain't. We're not even talking to him anymore. He's over skadovers. I'm debrotherizing him. He's not even my brother anymore. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. Anyway, they went out to the field. And while they were in the field, they were tending the sheep and they were sending there, having fun. And you know what? They also played. And you know, many a time Joseph came back and told his father, they're not working, Dad. Dad, 
You know how your brother used to do? They're playing in the pool, in the, in the river. And they used to make dad even crosser. And they used to get even cross with him. But one day Jacob said to Joseph, Joseph, go out and see your brothers. See what they're doing. Come back and report to me and tell me what they're doing. So Joseph skipped along in his Technicolor dream coat. <laughs> I'm so happy. And he went to this one place where they knew his, their brothers were. And he couldn't find them. And he was wandering around going, I wonder where they would be. And someone saw them and they said, have you seen my brothers? They said, yes, they've gone to another, another meadow down over there. I'm sure you'll find them there. Woo! He was so excited. He went along. And when he was coming along, his brothers were looking in the distance and they all turned around. They said, hey, here comes that snotness. Here comes that brother of yours that I don't like him. I think we must kill him. I think this is it. Let's end him. Kill him and that's the end of it. Then we don't have to worry about brothers anymore. But Reuben, the older brother, said, no, 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 guys. He's our brother. Let's not do that. Let's put him in this dry well. And then we will decide what we're going to do with him. So they put him in the well. Joseph came running to his brothers thinking nothing of it. You know what? We sometimes have our lives that we live. And we think everything is hunky-dory. And when we come into the situation, kaboom! Everything falls short. And you're suddenly in chaos. The wheels fall off the bus. You don't have any. Your marriage is on the line. You're, you, 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 you're failing tests at school. You can't focus and everything is going wrong and things just seem to happen. I know. And you know when these things happen in your life and they happen so suddenly that you, you, you just feel lost and you feel overpowered by the circumstance rather than anything. Because Joseph was thrown in this pit by the brothers he loved. They didn't love him anymore because of his jealousy. So they threw him in the pit. Brothers! Hey! Reuben! Come on, help me! They didn't want to help him. And then when they were sitting there having something to eat, and they were thinking, hmm, I wonder what we should do with this oak. They looked up and they saw a train of Ishmaelites coming along. And they were coming along and they thought, ah, Judas. He turned around and he said, let's sell him as a slave. Then we don't have to kill him. No, he's our brother. And then we will never know anything of it. So when the Ishmaelites came along, they pulled Joseph out of this deep well, stood him over there, and sold him off for 20 shekels. Cheap. Go on, take him. We don't want to see him anymore. And then they thought, well, because Reuben, he went back, he didn't know anything about this. I think Reuben was probably out there somewhere. Reuben came back and went to the well, and his brother wasn't there. And he thought, because Reuben had a second plan. Reuben was going to take his brother back to his father and say, listen, these guys are planning to kill him. You better... Secure him, hide him away, keep him away from the brothers because they're really, really upset with him. But when he went there, he saw Joseph wasn't there anymore. So he tore his clothes and came back to his brothers and then they told him and Judah said to them, yes, we sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels. So what they did was they tore his cloak and they killed a lamb or a goat and they took all the blood and they put the blood all over his Technicolor dream coat. And they rubbed the blood all over his coat and they said, let's go and tell dad. That evening they went home and they went to Jacob and they said, Jacob, we found this on the way home. It's Joseph's technicolor dream coats in blood. It looks like the wild animals have taken care of Joseph. And Jacob was so upset. Jacob was beside himself. Jacob tore his cloths. He put on sackcloth. He was in mourning. He didn't talk to anybody. He didn't do anything. He was up 
upset that he lost his one son. Little did his brothers know how much pain they'd caused Jacob when this happened. Because later on, when Joseph went with the Ishmaelites, he was sold as a slave again to Potiphar. And because Joseph knew God was with him, he had favor. He had favor in Potiphar's house. Because Potiphar saw that when Joseph worked, he worked hard as unto God for his boss. He did everything he could in his power. He did it as best as he could. So Potiphar saw this. And before long, Joseph was in charge of Potiphar's house. All Potiphar really had to worry about was what he had to eat. Everything else was taken care of by Joseph. But ha ha! We know what happened there. Potiphar's wife, she suddenly saw Joseph. He was, what, 17 when he, when he was sold to the slave. So he's now getting on in life and he's a handsome young guy. Very good looking oak. So Potiphar's wife thought, well, this is my chance. <laughs> I'm going to take him out. He's mine. I'm going to have him. He's most a slave. I can do what I like with him. But Joseph, being the person he was and the godly person he was, he kept on saying, no, leave me alone. No, I'm not interested. And one day when she was coming at him and she wanted to have, have him, he actually turned around and ran away and she grabbed his garment. And his garment was left in the room. But Joseph ran away and hid from her. When Potiphar came home, she ran up to Potiphar and said, Look, Joseph tried to do funny things with me. And I shouted and the slaves came there and everybody in the house came and helped me. And I caught his garment. So this is evidence. So yet again, Joseph had done nothing wrong. He loved his brothers. And because the favor he got from his father, his jealousy of his brothers actually got him sold as a slave. First thrown in a pit and then sold as a slave. Here, he did his best. He was minding his own business. And yet again, he's now been thrown in prison and in jail because of a woman that wanted, uh, that wanted uh, Joseph. So Joseph's luck was down again. But you know what? It says in the word, God was with him. He knew God was with him. And he knew in all God was with him. And this is where we need to be, folk. When we feel that things are down and we're doing our best and whatever we do, we seem to be banging our head against that wall of life. And things never seem to happen and never seem to prosper, never seem to get anywhere. We just need to know that God is with us. Because of the decisions we make with God in our lives. And as long as you keep that in mind, God will be with you. These trials and tribulations will come along. And one has to just stand and be strong and believe. Because not long after that, Joseph was in prison. And two slaves of Pharaoh now were thrown into jail. And these two slaves also had a dream. I'm going to cut the story a little bit short because I want to get to the point. So, <laughs> Otherwise we could be talking over here because there's so many stories in the story. So what I want to do, I'm going to just keep looking at the timekeeper over here. And she goes, you've got to move along. Otherwise we'll be until 4 o'clock. Trevor can waffle. So anyway, these two, <clears throat> these two slaves came in. One was a cupbearer and the other one was a baker. And they also saw Joseph. And Joseph was there. And one day they also had a dream. And they came to Joseph and they said, listen, we've had a dream. Please interpret the dream. Anyway, the baker had a dream of some bread on his head and he was carrying the bread, but all the crows and all the ravens came and ate all the bread 
And Joseph turned around and said, yes, Pharaoh has it in for you. You are going to die. I'm terribly sorry. And then, that was it. The guy was devastated. He just said, he said you did whatever you did in, in Pharaoh's house. It's the end. He has no favor for you. You're going to die. You will be hanged. And what happened was with the, with the, with the cupbearer, came and said, I had a dream. And he said, you know what, your dream, your dream will come to pass is that you will be freed and you will go back and be reinstated where you were. But don't forget to tell Pharaoh about me. Please, that I can interpret dreams. Anyway, three days came along. Shuf, Kapera, went up and was freed and was in with Pharaoh. And lo and behold, the poor chef, cook, he was hung on a tree. He died. Anyway, years and years went by and Joseph was still in prison and he still loved God and he still went on. And then Pharaoh had a dream. And Pharaoh had two dreams. And he couldn't understand these dreams. And these dreams were that there were some heavy fat cows that came out of the river Nile and they were very, very fat and they were walking along. Seven big ones, seven nice healthy ones came out of the river Nile. And then after that, seven Squeamy, ugly, horrible, yucky looking cows, skin and bone, came after them and gobbled them up. Wow. Pharaoh didn't know what to do. Then he had another dream. It was a dream about shekels of hay. There were seven of them. Beautiful, plentiful. And there were another seven. And they ate those seven because they were wind torn and they were ugly and very not healthy, healthy wheat. So Pharaoh went to all his magicians and all the people in the land and said, Guys, help me with this dream. There's definitely something going on here. Somebody's trying to tell me something because I can't dream the same dream because there were seven shekels of hay and there were seven cows. There were seven bad ones that ate the good ones and seven bad cows that ate the good cows. So then the cupbearer turned around to Pharaoh and said, you know what? There's a chap by the name of Joseph in prison. He told us and interpreted our dreams. Can I get him? He said, yes, be there. Do it. Bring him along. So he came there and he started interpreting. He said, tell me your dream. Tell me your dream, please. And anyway, Pharaoh told the dream and Joseph interpreted and he said, you will have seven years, seven healthy years. And it is from God and God was showing you about this because he wanted you to prepare for these years that are coming. There's seven plentiful years, seven healthy years, seven good years. And then there will after that be seven very, very bad years in famine. But what you need to do you need to get someone in charge of this. And when there were seven good years, you need to take a fifth of what everything there is and store it in the storehouse for when those seven bad years happen because then you'd be able to survive the seven bad years. So guys, Joseph suddenly said to Pharaoh, you need to choose someone of your staff to do this. So he looked at his staff and he went, mm, mm. Joseph. Because you're so clever. You know exactly what's going to happen. And there again, Joseph was lifted up into power again. And he was Tuhabi. Again, Pharaoh didn't have to do anything. Joseph orchestrated this whole thing. And truth happened. What happened was, everything happened as it was. There were seven good years. And then all of a sudden, the bad years came along. But because Joseph was in control, and he took everything, and he saved everything, and he put it in the storehouses, they had for the seven, seven bad years. And then about two years into that, famine was really, really bad. The cows started dying. The animals started dying. Everybody couldn't make it. And guess what? 
Joseph's brothers and Jacob were in the land of Canaan and they were suffering. Suffering just as bad. And they were ready. Their cows were dying. Everything was, they just didn't have any food. So Jacob said to the guys, right guys, off you go. Go to Pharaoh. Plead with him. Ask him to please sell you. Take all your money. Take all the money we have. And you can get this. So, Joseph, so Joseph's brothers came through. And Joseph recognized them when they came. But they didn't recognize Joseph. Because you know the Egyptians, they put all this makeup on. They look all pretty. And they shave all their hair. So they, they couldn't recognize Joseph. Because it's like seven years down the line. Since they last saw Joseph. And so Joseph was standing there. And he saw them and he was like... Excuse me a second. And he felt in his heart, he still loved his brothers, even though what they did. He still felt for them. But he first of all thought, no, I must be strong. Because they came forward. They bowed down. They said, we are enslaved to you. Please take our money. Can we please bring, can you please give us some food? And Joseph turned around and said, no, 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 but you guys are spies. How do I know that you guys aren't spies? You guys are spies. You come to check and see what we're doing because I don't trust you guys. I do not trust you guys at all. And they said, no, we come from Jacob. And Jacob, we've got another brother. Another brother, but we left him behind. We didn't bring our other brother. Our father's very affectionate to that brother because at some stage we lost the brother. So as it may, they came through. Joseph turned around and said, right, give them their food. Told these guys, put their money back in their bags. So each one of them had a bag of hay with their money. And he gave them the, 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 the wheat and he put their money back in the bags. And they left. And Joseph said to them, and before they left, I think it was in the youngest brother's bag, he put, a, he put a, his cup in the bag to trick them. And he turned around and he said, hold on. They got halfway down the road and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can't find my, 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 my wine glass, my, my wine glass. Come back, guys. Come back, guys. They came back. They turned around and they said, Hey, someone has taken and stolen from me. How could you do this? So they started with the oldest brother. And they worked their way through. And they suddenly found out and they took the bag out. And out of Reuben. I mean, out of the youngest brother. What's his name? Who's the, what's his name? Benjamin. Benjamin. Oh, good. I can give you a sweet. Uncle Trevor forgot for a second. Thank you for saving me. Benjamin. And in Benjamin's bag, they found the glass. So they grabbed Benjamin and they put him in jail. And they turned around and they said, come on, you can't do that. Our father's going to be devastated. He's lost his son already. We can't do that, please. Take us rather. Let Benjamin go. Long story short, Joseph turned around to them and said, go and fetch your father. Go and bring your father to us. Brought, and I will keep Benjamin here until you bring your father. Because I don't trust you, you spies. So they rushed off. And they went and they got a hold of this. And they came back. And when he came back, he broke down. And he told them. But what happened was, I was supposed to turn this a long time ago. I got so involved in my story. That's the wine in the glass, by the way. Okay? So that was the wine in the glass. And also, I also forgot to say that the story was that all his brothers, and they went and fetched his father, had now had to bow down to Joseph. And the second dream that he had as well, when the bales of hay stood around him in a circle and bowed down to him, that also came to true. That also came to pass. So ladies and gentlemen, I must say to you that when God gives you a plan or gives you a dream or tells you what you're going to do, sometimes it doesn't happen immediately or how you think it's going to take place. Sometimes it takes place in God's timing. 
in God's will and how God wants it planned out for your life. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. There's going to be hard times. There's going to be head banging. You're going to bang your head against the wall. But at the end of the day, if you hang on to those dreams that you had in the beginning, God can make a way. And then when he saw his father coming, his father saw and reckoned, he recognized his father and told his father that he was his son. And his father handed him another coat of many colors and made him and the family was reunited. And because that reunition took place, he was then allowed to bring them in. And they were favored in the land because of who Joseph was. So it didn't mean that they bowed down as slaves to Joseph. They were just favored because of Joseph. So sometimes you might be in a circumstance at work and you feel that it's not for me. It's not going to happen. I've been put in this place for a reason. And if things start happening and the company starts getting favor because of you being there, then you're there for a reason. Grab hold of that reason. Believe and think on God and keep praying to God because He will and He does have plans for each and every one of us sitting in the room, even the little ones, that there's a purpose for each and every one of us. Right now, I'd like to play something for you. I gladly walk across the desert with no shoes upon my feet to share with you the last bite of bread I had to eat. I would swim out to save you In your sea of broken dreams When all your hopes are sinking Let me show you what love means Love can build a bridge Between your heart and mine Don't you think it's time? I would whisper love so loudly Every heart could understand That love and only love Can join the tribes of men I will give my heart's desire So that you might see The first step is to realize That it all begins with you and me Love can build a bridge Between your heart and It's time When we stand together It's our finest hour We can do anything 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 If we keep believing In the power Love can 
to tell you all a little story. Um, <clears throat> it's quite relevant in our lives because we're faced with different things in life. And as it is, is life passes us by as fast as we go and as fast as we let it be. And there were two gentlemen that I want to tell you a story about. One was, uh, his name was Mr. A. Goodman. Another gentleman by the name of Ben Freed found themselves suddenly sitting one day in an aeroplane. And it happened just like that. Can you do that and say that? Just like that. Because life can be taken from us, or the life as we know it can be taken from us just like that. We can be driving in a car, and someone can do something foolish, and just like that. Life. People can't see. Can't they see me? I'm sorry, man. I'm moving to the light. Where's the light? <laughs> so they found them sitting, themselves sitting in there. Now, Mr. Goodman was, was in America, and the other, Mr. Benfried, was in Australia. And suddenly they found themselves sitting in this aeroplane. And this little aeroplane had one destination. Beautiful lady came up in front like they normally do. This time she had big wings at the back. And she stood there and grabbed the mic and she said, Ladies and gentlemen, you are on an aeroplane to heaven. One destination. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to come past you and I'm going to ask you for your name, the destination you know, and I want you to show me your ticket. So Mr. Ben Freed sat there and he went, Ticket? I got my ticket. The back in his pocket. Mr. A. Goodman turned around and went, Ticket? I don't have a ticket. Where do I get a ticket from? I, I don't know. I got you. I just arrived. Yeah, I don't have a ticket. But Mr. Ben Freed said, Mr. Ben Freed, have you got a ticket? He said, Yeah, yeah, I've got a ticket. I've got a drive here. He said, Don't you want to give me a piece of your ticket? I know, if you don't have your ticket, you cannot fly on an aeroplane. Am I right? If you don't have that ticket, you ain't getting on board. You ain't going to go nowhere. So he says, okay, fine. I'll give you a piece of my ticket. So he took a piece of his ticket, and he cut it in bit. And he said, there we go. There's a ticket for you, Mr. Goodman. And he took his ticket and put it back in his pocket. He says, hold on, hold on. He says, don't know the difference. Look, the tickets aren't the same. So Mr. Ben Freed turns around and says, okay, I'll give you another piece of my ticket. I'll give you another piece, don't worry. Being the Christian he was, he said, okay, he'll give him another piece of ticket. Took his ticket, put it in his pocket. But before he did that, he quickly said, now, Mr. Goodman, what does that look like? So Mr. Goodman took all his pieces of ticket, stuck it together and said, hold on, hold on. Pull this piece down like that. He says, there, there, there. Okay. It's close, close enough, close enough. He says, cool. So they're both sitting there, and this angel or air hostess came across and looked at Mr. Goodman and said, State your name and your destination and show me your ticket. So Mr. Goodman sat there and went, My name is Mr. A. Goodman, and uh, here's my ticket. And uh, I think I'm going to heaven. So the angel turned around and said, Your ticket will decide. So she started unraveling his ticket. And she said, let's have a look at this before we go any further. So she started looking at the ticket. And the ticket started deciding 
as to where he was going to go. Let's have a look at this. So she said, Mr. Goodman, what does your ticket say? He says, hell. So she turns around and points a finger at him and she says, being a Goodman all your life will definitely not get you into heaven. Grabbed him by the scruff of his neck, took him to the aeroplane door and went, (laughs) Where did he land up? In the lake of fire. He landed up in the lake of fire. No two ways. Not your but. Um, if if I um, hold on a second, I think I, I no one way. So now, Mr. Ben Fried is sitting there, and she comes across to him and she says, "State your name and your destination, and show me your ticket." So he says, "Here's my ticket. My name's Ben Fried, and I'm going to heaven." She says, "Ah, your ticket, all the side." Gave it to the angel. She took the ticket and she said, let's have a look. She said, aha. If you've been freed by the blood of Jesus and he died on the cross for you, you're definitely going to heaven. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I want to bring this opportunity to you right now. I'd like everybody to close their eyes and I'd like you to please not look around. And I'd like you to just focus on what we've discussed today. Because what we discussed today was something which we feel everyone needs to be enlightened by. And I would just like to say that we find ourselves in life, living it, running it, trying to succeed in it, trying to do what we have to do, exams at school, tests at college, um, all these things, deadlines, uh, year-ends, financial year-ends, And all these things seem to get us all boggled. And we sometimes get confused. And we sometimes don't think that we need to do the most simplest thing. And that simplest thing in our life is to ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. To ask Him to be ruler over us. And many a times we've thought about it. And many a times we've said, Oh, but uh, that day will come. Uh, When I get a chance, you know, it's not the right opportunity. I'm too busy. I can't do it right now. And, you know, I'm just not in the mood. And you know what? I'm a little bit embarrassed. And I don't want you to feel like that. I want you to look deep down in your heart. And if you've never had that opportunity of actually coming to the front or coming before Jesus, because Jesus is my best friend. I asked Jesus many years ago to come into my heart. And since then, he's been my best friend. Sometimes it feels he's not there like Joseph, but he always comes through for you. He's always there. But you need to ask Him to come into your heart. It says in the Bible that the only way to God is through Jesus who died on the cross. So I'd like to give you that opportunity. And maybe sometimes you've, or many, many years ago, you've asked Jesus to be in your heart. And you know He's there. But you've lived a life which has not put Him in the center. Which has not actually made Him feel like He's number one and what you should be living for. Things have come in the way and come before Him. And if you need to ask him to come and help you and come back to the cross, I'd like you also to come to the front and ask me to pray for you. And another thing is if you're struggling and if you're asking and you feel that 
You feel like you're a Joseph. You feel like you do everything unto God and you do everything unto whoever it is that you're in, that's in charge of you. Or maybe you're in charge of people and things just don't seem to be going the way they're going. And you just need to come forward and ask God to please come into their lives, and come into your business's life, and come into your life and help you and show you a method and a way. I would also like you to come to the front so that we can pray. Because I would like the little ones to pray for you because the little ones' prayer is very, very powerful because Jesus allowed the little ones into one of his meetings when his disciples chased them away and said, bring them unto me because you will not see heaven unless you act like these children. 